0: Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me J.A. Andrews. Now, Janice is a fantasy author, and some of her series, or two series, is the Keeper Chronicles and the Keeper Origins Trilogy right now. Um, Her latest book, The Phoenix Rising, came out in May, and it looks like it's doing fantastic on Amazon. Uh, Janice, thank you so much for getting on with me, and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, thanks. It's fun. It's fun to be here. I grew up on the fantasy in the 80s and 90s, and all those good, good old classic stories. And um, so I have a lot of elves and dwarves and some of the really old classic tropes um, in in my stories. And they're all written. Um, well, actually, they're written so that my kids can read them whenever they want to, although they're not written. For kids like they're written for an adult audience but uh they're clean enough for my kids at whatever point they're old enough to read them that they could pick them up and read them which they all are now in fact they get impatient when i take too long (laughs) to put a book out (laughs) and they want to know what's happening and they give me lists sometimes of which characters i'm allowed to kill off and which ones i'm not and what they think should happen to the villains in the story so uh yeah yeah phoenix rising is the last book uh in keeper origins and it came out in may And it felt like a huge amount to wrap up at the end of a trilogy. I just felt like I had a million threads, but it's been well received.
0: Right. Um, The the first book in the Keeper Chronicles, Um, where did that story come from? How did you create that?
1: That's actually fun. So I never really expected to do, I never really thought I'd be a writer. Um, I writing is sort of fun. It was just sort of a little bit of a hobby to put together stories. Um, And when my husband this was a really long time ago. It took me ages to write that book, but, um, my husband had was out of town for a month, um, for work. And this was long enough ago that we, uh, we had email. I think we maybe had cell phones maybe, but anyway, we didn't have that many ways to communicate with each other. So, uh, he was super bored. And so I just decided that I would write a chapter every night of just some fantasy story, just make it up as I go. And my only goal was, uh, Give him something entertaining to read at the end of the workday and leave it on a cliffhanger so that i could like <laughs> annoy him and on and so it, it was the first maybe quarter of that story came out of that month and um then he got back into town and we had very tiny babies and i didn't do anything with the book for a really long time but the characters uh really stuck with me and i'd had so much fun writing that that once i figured out that indie publishing was a uh, actual feasible thing um it was probably around 2012 or 2013 i decided maybe i could give this a try and i figured out how to write a book because i had no idea how to write a book and um, took that beginning and wrote a story and revised it a million times because um i had done a lot of really horrible writing in it. Uh, But yeah, so it finally was published in 2016. I think it was a little over 10 years from when I started it to when I actually published it. Um, But yeah, so it was just written as a story to entertain my husband. That was the the beginnings of it.
0: That's an awesome story. And it's interesting. I've talked to lots of people and just how many different ways people begin stories, Um, you know, as writing prompts or, you know, something to kind of keep your husband entertained and in your words, annoy him at the same time. <laughs> but, um, you know, it took 10 years. That's, that's quite a while. Uh, when you picked it back up, how long did it take you? You know, you through revision vision and, and everything. Do you, can you remember that?
1: Um, I probably worked hard on it for about three years. Um, but it was very like, uh, I didn't, I didn't, Put much time towards it every day like I mean I was sort of consistently working on it and consistently trying to uh, just so I would know the story just died in the middle and I don't I don't know what I did wrong and so so there was just lots of research and reworking and stuff like that so um, and I did I had really little kids and so there wasn't a ton of time or energy <laughs> to devote to it um, but it was probably about three years of just committing to trying to see if I could if I could make it into a story that that worked and that was worth publishing so so I did write it and I did It's it's the first book in a trilogy but it does sort of stand alone I, I did kind of complete a story arc there because I thought I can publish this I have no idea what I'm doing there's no way anyone's ever going to buy this book or read this book so I'm not going to like tie myself into having to write a second book um, but then it, it actually sold better than I expected and so then I had the trouble of well now what comes next in this trilogy that I just wrapped up my storyline so nicely and so then it was back to the drawing board. Then it's been about one book a year since then that I've managed to put out.
0: So. Well, you know, I always do research before I um, interview somebody. And right now, you have two books on Amazon's Classic Fantasy Top 100 ebook. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you keep up with that or, or whatever, but people um, apparently like your books. And how how, how does that make it's, you it's, feel? Is it kind of? <laughs>
1: it's 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 just shocking and surreal actually um when i when i was publishing you know if you looked at any of the bestseller lists it was all just game of thrones and just um some really like a lot of the books i read and i really enjoyed but they are like gritty and dark and violent and um mine my stuff pg rated at the most like it's adult there's themes about grief and um, like my first main character is middle-aged and he's basically going through like a magical midlife crisis of, of what he thought he would be as to who compared to like who he's actually turned out to be and, and all these kind of thoughts. And so, uh, I just, I was, it was nothing like the things that were selling really well at the dance for people that want, uh, like cleaner, more classic seeming, like just real character focus. There's not giant battles or things like that. It's, it's really tight focus on the characters. Uh, so, uh, I, I was really lucky early on to find the right group of readers, most of whom had started reading classic fantasy in the 80s and 90s also. And so, for them, it was like, oh, this is, this is, you know, like, it's like coming back to an old friend, right? This, this idea, there's like homey homes, and then there's the adventure, and there's the group of travelers, you know, the Lord of the Rings group of travelers that are all working together. So, uh, yeah, so it was shocking and exciting to find these people and to, and to find out that I, I wasn't the only one who was looking for stories like this. So it's, it's still really bizarre to me that a lot of people are enjoying them and I love it. Like, it's really, it's like amazing to get to do this as a career, but it's, it's a little shocking to
0: do. I, I would assume that it would be shocking to see, you know, an, a book up there that's on the same list as like the Lord of the Rings and, you know, Narnia and things like that. So that's got to be exciting. So you said yeah, you're producing like a book a year now. Um, what mm-hmm. are some of your habits and how do you maintain that consistency?
1: Well, I do my best writing early in the morning and I, I'm, I'm about the only morning person in my family and my kids are older now. Um, and we homeschool, so there's no like uh, set schedule. So everybody but me tends to sleep in. so when i'm organized and when i get to bed on time i can get up in the morning and i can get a good chunk of stuff done um i spend a lot of time plotting before i write and then then the writing goes faster so uh i i since i published in may i have not been consistent at all i uh summertime hit and uh somehow we we're up in montana and so it's light really really late and it's just summer and it's beautiful and I have no structure in my days, and so um, there, the consistency is not really happening at the moment, But uh, and I have a new series to start, so I have to sort of start from scratch and decide. There's just a lot of questions <laughs> to work through instead of just continuing. Anyway, it, sometimes it's better than others, I guess.
0: Well, you just published in May. I think you probably have permission to let yourself relax a little bit before you jump into the next project. <laughs> I I would think so. Anyway, let your let yourself, you know, enjoy a little time when you are consistent. And when you do that, you said you do a lot of plotting. So do you do that all beforehand before you start a book or do you plot out certain chunks?
1: Um, if things go, ideally, I plot it out beforehand to like a chapter level to the point where I really know, like the flow of a chapter. And, um, most of the brainstorming that happens to me is in the dialogue. Um, I'm terrible with descriptions and stuff that like takes tons of work, but the dialogue between characters is always where the ideas come to me. So um, if I'm gonna be able to write the book fast, I know on a chapter level, like what'll happen um, sort of emotionally with the character and um, and then usually like snippets of dialogue from that chapter and and then things just go great. But I, <laughs> I often get most of the way through plotting and I realize, well, chapters, you know, 20 to 30 are a little vague, but I think it'll be fine when I get there, it'll be fine. And then when I get there, if I don't have a good outline, I just like meander, like I'll write and it'll be like 5,000 words later. And I'm still like, no one's, I really have to stop and go back and force myself to plot it out. And as soon as I plot it out, then everything just, just flows really well again. So you would think that I would just know my process and be like, I'm not going to skip ahead. I'm going to stay and I'm going to plot it all out. But, uh, I, I've yet to do that really well for a book. Um, it's my goal for this next one to really plot it out. And, and you can ask me a year from now if that happened. <laughs> like, it'll, be, it'll be amazing if it did happen, but that's the goal.
0: Well, I, I think some nuggets that I take away from that, and maybe others can as well, is, um, you know, it's like planning a trip. Like if you're going from L.A. To, to New York, you don't have to wait for every single stoplight to turn green. Before you mm-hmm. go, you know, you can start and get to where um, you, you can see or where you have planned and then you can start a little bit and plan it and go from there. Like mm-hmm. sometimes, I don't know, analysis paralysis takes mm-hmm. takes hold of people and they they don't ever start because they're like, well, I just have it to here. I want to get on, uh, you know, beyond mm-hmm. that before I start. So, you know, you're a great example mm-hmm. of that, that uh, it. it If you don't have it all planned out, you keep going and you're able to do it. So I I read that you are legitimately a rocket scientist. Is that correct?
1: Um, I have a degree in aerospace engineering. I've never actually, yeah, I've never actually done rocket science because this is not talking to anyone. There's not a lot of jobs in rocket science, honestly, across the country. So uh, when I graduated, I did apply um, to, there were some really cool like think tanks and different places and I applied to NASA. And um, I don't know if they still do it, but back way back when, when I applied to NASA, um, like a month or so later, I got this official letter from from NASA. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. And I opened it up and it's like, thank you for applying for this blah, blah position. Um, we did not select you for the position, but we did select and it gave me like the full name of the person who got the job that I wanted. And I just remember being like, well, thanks, <laughs> whoever this guy is, thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> so uh, I, I have, I've done some other engineering and were super uh, enthralled with the work that I had to do. So uh, when, when I had kids, I stayed home with the kids when they were little and then writing sort of evolved since then. So I'm not, I'm not at all sad to be out of that, that world. I mean, I like science and math, but writing was a lot more fun
0: (laughs) yeah it it is and and my my follow-up question to that is you know you grew up reading classic fantasy in the 80s and 90s but you got an aerospace engineering degree why did you choose fantasy instead of science fiction like i'm sure there could have been lots of stories and things you learned that could have applied to that
1: yeah i think um the science fiction got less and less interesting the more i learned about space because it was just so anchored in reality like it lost a lot of its like uh, kind of like the wonder and I know a lot of people do sci-fi and they, they make it really cool they come up with cool technology or whatever um, but somehow it just stopped like holding my interest whereas if you throw magic into a world suddenly it feels like there's so many possibilities. so yeah I can't I can't really see myself ever writing sci-fi. And I'd also think I'd be completely paralyzed by needing to understand all of the science behind it to make sure I didn't do anything weirdly off with the science, and then I'd spend too much time researching things you nobody can know yet because things haven't been invented.
0: Right, kind of a the analysis paralysis um, phenom mm-hmm. that I mentioned earlier, and I can see that. Like if you get uh, deluged into something, like you can lose its appeal and, and stuff, and. Mm-hmm maybe fantasy was more like a palate cleanser where you could just lose yourself in your imagination and, and be able to enjoy, um, enjoy that world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: So do you remember like the first couple stories that kind of got you in the genre that you, that you read um, as a kid?
1: Yeah. The first ones that I read was the Belgariad* by David Eddings. That was the first, I don't remember if I read Lord of the Rings before that or after it. My my older brother had this big fantasy collection. And so I just sort of go grab things off his shelf to read um, like all the dragon Lance. Um, but the Belgariad was the first one that I read that I just loved the character so much. And I just remember being like completely absorbed in the book to a level. I just hadn't been with anything else. So that was probably the first one that
0: that was your gateway. Yeah. So being a self-published author, like you're in charge of everything when you said you did a million edits on your or revisions on your first book um you know one of those things is finding a, a, an editor or being able to do that yourself uh, to a point that is, is sellable um, do you have an editor and if so like how did you find that person
1: i do i have one now and i love her um i think i've had four different editors um the first one i had this wasn't really a great fit for me like tone wise she was a great editor um but her tone was very formal and my writing is not formal and so and so just a lot of uh suggestions that she would give for fixes i'd be like uh no (laughs) like i see it needs to be fixed but then need to work on that um and then and then the next two who i liked both of them they both stopped doing editing for different reasons and so uh, I have one now Laura Josephson who I really love and I just found her through um, some indie author friends I have that use her and really liked her and um, she's amazingly thorough I am not one of those people that could edit myself and publish you you'd be like wow this this is riddled with all sorts of problems Um, so I I think an editor is just uh, well worth the money and the time and the extra work, uh, to get it, to get a good, I, I can't find myself caring enough about how commas are supposed to be placed <laughs> to really learn it and remember it. Uh, so I love the fact that there's people that just sort of love commas and where to put them and they can fix all my badly paced commas.
0: <laughs> well, you mentioned something that I think is kind of key is you reached out to other authors and a network is a, in a self-publishing world. Um, I've talked to a, a few people and they find that, that that's key to, you know, to find a good editor or a good cover artist, or even to stay up on marketing. Cause marketing is a, a handful and a beast all to itself. Um, how did you find your cover mm-hmm. artist?
1: Again, asking around, I think, and just looking at some of the books that covers I liked, um, and then tracking down the artist and seeing how it went. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that I've done any step, of the indie marketing without like networking with other authors and finding out uh just who they worked with and who they liked and i mean it's um if you're gonna work with indie authors uh you should know that we all talk to each other too (laughs) like if you if you're a cover designer that's really difficult to work with you'll get a reputation for being difficult to work with if you're somebody who's great to work with and who's you know all these things everybody knows after a little while because we just all talk to each other because there's just so many there's so many choices and and there's more amazing cover designers all the time and there's more editors all the time but it, it's hard to give your whole book to like an editor without knowing at all what a good job they do because uh you you can't you can't necessarily know what they've missed and so it's really nice to be able to find an editor who you have other people that can vouch for and you can see their books and that they're in a great position so yeah i think almost everything i've done marketing definitely there's there's so much discussion that goes on about marketing behind the scenes between authors and just things we've tried and what worked and what worked last year, but is not working this year and all these things. It's, it's, it's invaluable, all the different information I learned from other authors.
0: And, and that's something I've talked about um, with other authors as well. Um, how frustrating is that that things just keep changing? Like a year isn't that long of a time span, but things can change drastically.
1: Yeah. It can be incredibly frustrating. Um, and, and little changes in like the big tech companies, you know, Apple changes their open emails and suddenly, you know, huge huge marketing plans just fall apart because now things just don't work the way they did before. Um, so yeah, it can be incredibly frustrating. Um, and then it, it doesn't help that books have a very low margin of profit. And so you don't have a ton of money to work with for every book, you don't have a ton of money to spend to get that book to sell so um yeah it's sort of a constant game of there's like a moving target that we're all shooting at trying to (laughs) keep marketing working um and one of the biggest things is just sort of a word of mouth spreading of our books and that's tricky too just finding the right audience and uh finding ways to get your books in front of the right people uh since most of us are not in bookstores uh no one's gonna just browse the shelves of barnes and noble and find us and so yeah sometimes I, oh there's a lot of collaboration too between authors um sharing with our readers some of our other indie authors who we think are a really good match and my readers would really enjoy this other author's books so things like that make it less frustrating but there's a definite frustration level in trying to keep up with what marketing works and it, it changes by genre and by whether it's a romance or if it's steamy or if it's really clean, I mean, it's just, there's a million variables and it's incredibly hard to pin it all down.
0: That's one of the things where, um, people that don't understand or people who are coming into this brand new, they might have a fantasy novel or a science fiction novel and look up somebody on YouTube or try to learn, like, I'm going to figure this out and find somebody who's trying to launch a move uh, a book that is either a romance or a thriller It has nothing to do with your genre that you're writing in and try to do those techniques that they're trying to do and fail miserably because it um it's it's not marketed to the right people so yes definitely what's some advice if somebody's brand new like if if they have their book done what was some advice do you would you recommend reaching out to people like finding people um or, or what would you be your advice yeah
1: yeah i'd recommend finding authors um as close to your uh writing style and genre as you can who are more successful than you you find somebody who's just fifty thousand times more successful than you um it, it doesn't matter like i can't replicate what will white does every time he launches a cradle book right like he's top of the kindle store for days and he sells a bajillion copies right like he's in his own thing but but someone who's selling twice as much as me maybe if i can spend some time uh just understanding how they think about their business and the kind of things they focus on because um at different levels there's just different focus on what you're going to be spending your time working on uh and it does not help yeah like you said to look like if i look at a lot of the maybe like steamy romance fantasy authors they're all on TikTok. And TikTok loves like steamy romance quotes, like they'll just eat that up. I don't have a single steamy romance quote in like all million words that I've written. So for me to just try and jump in on doing what they're doing, I would just completely waste my time. (laughs) And I would just get all these readers who were angry to pick up my book and find nothing steamy in it at all. So um, yeah, I mean, I just think you just have to find your little tribe of writers who are close enough to you that... uh, you can have the same focus as them, and hopefully, and hopefully learn from them and sort of gain more success just based on being around people who know what they're doing and are thoughtful in all the ways they're focusing. Uh, it, it's really, it's really inspiring to me to see other authors around me who are doing better than me because I always think like there's a it's just it's just inspiring to think that. If you focus correctly, like there are ways to find the readers that want to read our books. And that's, that's inspiring to me. I think some people end up frustrated about that, but to me, I just think, you know, it just seems inspiring.
0: It really is. And one thing that I have found is there's not enough uh, books out there to keep people satisfied. So you're not really not in a competition with other authors, you know, you, so it's, It's beneficial to help raise other people up because then everybody just benefits from it is that's that's kind of what i found and what i've kind of learned people uh, as i've talked to people is you know it doesn't it doesn't pay to try to hide other people's books because lots of times if yeah. Yeah. if they like somebody else's book they might find yours to be enjoyable as well and vice <laughs> versa you said you you know being yeah. an indie publisher or indie uh, book writer you are not in bookstores um, so do you do conventions, um, to get your books in front of people or, or what are some of the ways that you get your books out to people?
1: I mostly only on Amazon. I think I have a book or two that's actually, you could buy a paperback on Barnes and Noble. I think that I set up a long time ago, like when tax time comes around, Barnes and Noble sends me like, you sold $16 worth of books this year. And I'm like, Oh, oh. <laughs> I had, I did, I could probably ex- like work on marketing that a little more, but, um, so most of um, my focus is on eBooks and audiobooks. books. Um, I actually, I, I maybe I'm not completely indie because um, my audiobooks are through Podium Publishing um, and they got uh, Tim Gerard Reynolds and Kate Redding to read, um, to narrate my books. And that has just been such a great relationship. Um, I could never have afforded either of those. Uh, narrators if I were going to pay them myself and so it's been really exciting to that's a whole audiobook fans are just their whole different audience um and so that's been really great so um just getting into the audiobook world and Podium does a great job of just positioning audiobooks to find the right readers so they do their own marketing for that kind of thing um and then I'm pretty active in some Facebook groups um that writers um so Indie Fantasy Addicts is the biggest one. And uh, yeah, they do the summer reading challenge every year where people get points for reading indie fantasy books and it's sort of controlled chaos, but uh, it's just, it's fun to find people. Um, there's still people who don't want to read an indie book. They have a, an idea of what an indie book is and they don't want to read it. Um, so it's really fun to find these big groups of people who are really open to trying indie authors and really supportive
0: so no things have changed drastically in the past decade or so where there was a stigma about indie books where it was less quality and you know you might not you might not have a good book on your in your you know on your hands but I think now I mean you can look at Amazon and see indie books are selling just as much or even more as traditionally published books like I mean we go back to your book your book's on the same list as robert jordan and J.R. token and that's and that's because people are realizing that indie books are are just as great just as wonderful and you guys are producing wonderful work where fans can find what they want and be able to enjoy these these books so it's 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 a great thing, and that's something that I found interesting too. Is when you produce a book for people who want to uh, do this journey, it's it's not just one stream of income. There's eBooks and paperback and hardback and audiobooks, where you can go and um, have multiple streams of income from from each book. And what what was a point in your you know your writing where you're like, oh my gosh, like this might be able to sustain my family. I don't know if it does not or yet, but and and that doesn't really matter. But when it was like, oh man, like this is this is real.
1: Um yeah, is when I finished the Keeper Chronicles and instead of putting out book 3, um well, I I put out book 3, but at the same time, like I think on the same day, um I put out a the box set of the whole trilogy. And again, this is one of the things that changes a lot. This was in 2000 19, 18 or 19. And um, then if you put a a big fantasy box set out there um, just on sale for 99 cents, uh, Kindle Unlimited people just went (laughs) ballistic and read it. And so um, that book just skyrocketed up the charts and it just sat up there forever. Um, and, it, and it just managed to find the right readers. And so all the original reviews were positive because it took a long time for the people who wanted the gritty, violent story um, and were disappointed that they didn't find it. So but by the time they were reading it and leaving less than stellar reviews, uh, there was already this solid set of reviews that were really great. Um, so it was probably like just a few months after that came out and it had just sold really well and just kept selling really well for so long that i thought maybe this will work (laughs) like maybe this is more than just can i pay for my next cover and my next x uh so yeah that was that was a big turn that year was a big shift in everything and so since and after just gaining i sometimes i feel like it just needs that kind of like a tipping point to to be able to find a big enough audience that it'll sustain um the waiting each year for a new book and um my my uh, series are connected and so people can read from one and then just jump into the other um and so that's helped but yeah that was that was definitely the turning point when that box set came out for my first series
0: well and part of the reason why you you know it, it clicked and stuff and is because you didn't stop at one book and just sit and be like okay i'm done like you had three books out that people could could read and enjoy um so if people that are beginning, like don't give up just because your first book doesn't sell well, like continue on and things might pick up a little bit later.
1: I think I made $500 uh, the first year when my first book was out and and like 350 of that were at the very end of the year when I published this tiny little book that went alongside it, uh, you know, and, and then I was like, OK, do I keep going or do I not? Like my reviews are good. I'm enjoying the writing. Might as well keep going. Um, and so book two it got a little better but yeah, it wasn't until especially I think with epic fantasy people they they want they want a full series it's really hard to sell an incomplete series to people they' they have in their head the the big the big authors that have burned them a little bit on not finishing series and so yeah I, I have plenty I have some fans now who are like, I love your books and I'm not picking up a single thing you write until you finish your series because I don't want to be stuck in the middle <laughs> so I'm like okay, well. I'll try and hurry.
0: <laughs> well, and you've done other things as well. Um, like, uh, was it Keeper's Tell? That's, mm-hmm. you know, a shorter book, um, but it, it's it's part of this series. Um, how did you come up with that or why did you decide to do that part of it?
1: I was trying to, figure, after I published my first book, I was trying to figure out how to uh, attract readers. And a lot of people offer, you know, like a free a free book you sign up for my newsletter blah 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 here's a free book you can learn what my writing is like and in my main series the keepers are storytellers among other things and the story of Tompkin and the dragon is just repeatedly brought up in that series about everybody's favorite story and they talk about it and people get excited about it and so I thought well maybe I'll I'll write Tomkin and the dragon because until I sat down to write that book I, I didn't know what the story of Tompkin and the dragon was just everybody loved it and so i thought well i should sit down and figure out who's Tomkin and what dragon is this talking about so um it was really fun to write it was by far the easiest thing i've ever written it just sort of came out like other books are struggles this one just like whew, um and it's like a short it it's novel length i guess it's like fifty thousand words um but it's half to a third of the size of the other books um so yeah so then i just put that one out and it it kind of can be read at any time because it's a standalone and it, yeah. But it's referenced so often in the other books. People do tend to pick it up just to see what all the fuss is about with that story. So it was really fun to write. So
0: is that kind of like a no pressure type situation where you're just like, Oh, this is just something that I'm going to explore and see how it goes.
1: Yeah. And I thought I'm probably going to give it away for free. It doesn't have to be super long. It doesn't have to be this really intricate anything it just can be just kind of an adventure story set in the right world so yeah it was just really it was really fun to write actually normally my plots get more involved and i have more characters just keep showing up and this was just very simple three two character two like a boy a girl that's about it for the story so
0: and I've noticed that you've done some anthologies as well, some short short stories and some anthologies. Um, what are some challenges that you have found and what are some um, benefits to writing both short stories and, and novels?
1: I find short stories to be like impossible to write. They're so hard. They want a whole story in like 10,000 words. And I'm much wordier than that. And so it's really hard to write. Um, but they work really great for giveaways or just for uh, ways to introduce people to my world. And since my characters are all storytellers, I just have this endless list of uh, stories they could tell. And they're historians, and so I have all these historical people mentioned that I could write about. So I have this endless list of stories. Um, and so sometimes, yeah, like indie authors will collaborate and we'll put together an anthology of short stories. Um, and it's just a really great way to, to meet a new audience of people. So when I get that chance and it's the right group of authors, right, if it's a really well-targeted group of authors, then I'm a lot more inclined to say, okay, well, I've been thinking about a couple of short stories. Let me see if I can put one together. Um, but they're not easy. I know other people will be like, oh, I'll take a few days and I'll write a short story and it'll be fine. And mine will take a lot longer than that. <laughs> it's very hard. It's hard to keep it so short. Uh, so
0: I, I can't write short stories whatsoever. I've tried and I can't do it. I need more practice. I don't know. <laughs> but Yeah.
1: It, yeah. I mean like I ended up like kind of coming up with an idea of like these five points. It's like this like arc, these five things to get through and they have to be like so simple and I'm always trying to make them more complicated. And then I'm like, no, I don't have room for all the complications. Like make it simple. So it's hard. It's a totally different kind of writing. I think.
0: Well, you, you know, you said you like to plot out your books. Do you use any plot, um, techniques or like there's um like dan Harmon's story circle or anything like that or do you have your own kind of plot structure that you do
1: i have kind of a big conglomeration of a lot of different um, ideas a lot of the um some of the screenwriting stuff and a lot of three-act structure and um some of the save the cat is some of these like sort of famous structure books and i end up finding like bits and pieces of all of them and pulling them out and um yeah so i have kind of this messy conglomeration of ideas that i work through like finding the characters and the theme at the beginning and then uh, this really basic plot overview and then breaking it down into smaller pieces but uh it's a pretty it's pretty frankenstein together from a lot of different (laughs) books and uh Uh, Yeah, just mostly different craft books,
0: probably. Is that something you kind of looked at when you were writing your first book was, all right, I have this story idea. Like, how the heck am I going to get this on paper?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just just felt when does different kinds of stuff happen? Because I would just end up writing myself into kind of like a boring phase. And I would just think, I don't even really know what should happen next. And then study some sort of traditional story structure. And you realize, oh, you know, a third of the way through, the villain often shows up and does something pretty spectacular and i'm like oh the villain that'd be a great idea here and so then, you know can kind of work that in so i'm not like a super strict story structure person but i feel like often it can help uh like kind of diagnose what's gone wrong with my story i can be like oh like i totally missed this point in the middle where the character should learn something sort of revolutionary that changes their idea of the story and mine never did that which is why i still feel like i haven't learned anything so
0: well, you know, you also don't want to be formulaic as well. You don't want to be like, okay, I'm 10,000 words in, this is going to happen. And 35 words, or 35,000 words in, this is going to happen. Like, you want to be able to write yeah. where, people, um, where people can't tell you're doing that and you can be able to have a good story as, as well. What, what have been some of your challenges and how have you grown as you've done your writing journey so far?
1: I am not at all a visual person. I don't have a visual imagination. I I, uh, I just don't. So the writing visual description is, is incredibly painful. And I used to just work so hard at trying to describe something visually. And I would like find a picture on Pinterest and try and like translate it into words and blah, blah, blah. And it just sucked. It was just really boring. And um, so it's been nice to sort of grow into, uh, my, my brain works like in other senses sounds and smells and the feeling and, and a lot of the emotional feel of a scene and so to be able to kind of embrace that and sprinkle in a little bit of visual stuff but be able to focus on the things that I would naturally want to use as description instead of feeling like I have to fulfill this quota of you know I have to show exactly what the castle looked like so people know what it looks like it, and, and you, you really don't so it's been nice to just kind of let go of some of the kind of requirements that you think you need to do for writing and be able to embrace the way my brain works <laughs> and, and, and let things go. So that's that's just sort of a long process. Um, and yeah, I'm just always working on finding different parts. I, I think I could find different parts of my crafts to make better. If I wrote for the next hundred years, I'd still be finding things that I thought, wow, I could really do a way better job You know, whatever, there's a million different things to always be learning. It's one of the things that's really fun about writing is I I don't feel like I'd ever get complacent, like, well, I've written the best book. And so that's it. There's always new stuff to learn.
0: Yeah. I don't think that's ever possible where you're going to be like, no, I'm done. That's it. That's the perfect story. (laughs) Everybody's going to just bow to me because it's so perfect. (laughs) So amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that that's interesting though that you're not a visual person right in a fantasy world it, it's very visual you know because you have to immerse yourself in uh, a new world how much world building did you do and i mean you have this whole backstory of you know the keepers tell that you had to kind of find it afterwards um <laughs> so is that is that something you've done kind of retroactively or uh, during the process were you able to to world build
1: um uh, the world itself is very uh probably like North America um I know people talk like medieval Europe but it's probably like a medieval sort of North America there's the mountains and there's plains and there's forests and um I never really have a visual not a detailed visual of the world I just have more of like the feel like I live in the forest I live in like pine forest And so there's a definite feel of walking in a pine forest versus walking in the forests in Oregon or something that are more rainy and damp and ferns everywhere. Um, So I've always had kind of a specific feel to the world building, but not so much visual. And people who have very visual imagination think that's completely bizarre. And they're like, but I get visual ideas from your stories. I can totally picture it. And I was like, that's fantastic. <laughs> if you could show me what that looks like, that'd be cool because I don't actually have that much visual. I, I just don't imagine it on a visual scale. It's more emotional and it smells and sounds and just the feel of something.
0: That's very interesting that you can convey that, um, with the, with senses. Cause not everybody is visual. Like, you know, like you said, um, and to be able to still convey the a world around them is important and it's a very uh a useful writing technique if if that's the right word i don't know if it's writing technique or just writing skill but um those people who are are struggling with that you know if you can't do a visual describe sounds describe smells describe you know how the mud feels in between the toes or, or whatever so that people can can experience that with you and i think that's kind of more important as well um, to be able to get inside the book and to to actually feel it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can tell sometimes if I read an author, that's just definitely a very visual person and all the description is visual. Um, It's really, really a challenge for me to get into the book because it doesn't mean anything to me. Like they can tell me exactly what the room looks like and I just can't hold on to the idea at all. Um, early visual authors, obviously, like spend effort to bring in all the other senses and to do things like that. Um, but yeah, it can be like a big um, it, it can keep me very distant from a book if that's the only thing that is shown. And and it took me a long time to figure out that some of the books that I other people loved and i try and read, and I think i I can't get into this. Um but then when I went back and looked at it, I'm like, well, e- everything is visual, and my brain's just like, not important not important and i was like if you could just remember and focus on the visual brain we could get into this book
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it's kind of like a a stranger coming up to you and you know saying hey look at this picture where it doesn't mean anything to you like that doesn't doesn't mean anything to you Mm -hmm. but if you can be like mary poppins and say hey jump in my picture that's a totally different thing
1: yeah
0: so who are uh some of the authors that influence you today
1: that is a fine question And I don't read nearly as much as I should today um, because I tend to either read or write. um, And so I'll go like huge chunks of the year without reading very much because uh, partially for a time limitation, um, I'll use the time and energy to write instead of reading. And partially because it's very hard to be immersed in a different story and then write my own story. um, You don't want, you know, you don't want those like to be sort of unconsciously stealing things from another story and squirting them into your own because just because that story is so much in your head um uh, i there's a few barbara kloss is an indie author um her series is called gods of men and um is somehow her writing is like amazingly vivid and her settings are really vivid and i love her characters uh so i really love reading authors like that who um yeah, she can draw me like straight into the book. Uh, so she's one that I really enjoy. She's the one that comes to mind right now.
0: No, that's fantastic. Um, one of the reasons why I asked that is that you can learn from anybody. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Barbara Klaus, uh, has you to be able to, or she has drawn you into her, her world. And, you know, that's something that you can take and be like, Oh, how did she do this? And, and kind of, um, dissect on how she did that and be able to apply that into your life and into your writing style. Um, you know, you, you said, you know, sometimes you are reading or, or writing, you know, you're a parent homeschooling kids. How do you maintain balance?
1: Um, I'm not sure I do very well. Like I feel like <laughs> sometimes things just kind of flow back and forth, maybe like more reading, uh, like before, um, my book came out in May and really like the publication date, tends to be sort of anticlimactic it's the it's the rush to get the book to the editor you know the month before that where things were just i I wrote a lot and so um homeschool just sort of like stopped happening i told my kids they're gonna grow up and they're gonna be like the best time of year was right before mom had to get a book to the publisher or to the editor because we didn't have to do anything (laughs) i was just like i don't care what you do you just can't talk to me um so they uh they're actually doing school this summer during summer break because we took a really nice extended amount of time in March and April kind of with a very limited school going on um yeah so my family's like just incredibly supportive and so that helps a lot so if I do have a deadline or something that's coming up um everybody just sort of makes way for me to get to spend a lot of time um and then when I don't have it I tend to do stuff with the family instead of spending as many hours sitting in the office. So there are indie authors who just work hard every single day for really long hours, and I don't tend to do that. Mine really ebbs and flows with what time of the year we're in. So.
0: Well, and everybody's a little different. Everybody has different habits. Like you said, that you're most productive in the morning. Um, you know, others that I've talked to, they're midnight writers. You know, but. <laughs> sometimes that's not by choice they have family they have a job and that's that's the only time they have Mm -hmm. um what what are some tips and tricks that you could share that for people beginning their journey um that could help them
1: only time i could be really productive was if i did it in the morning um until the second book in keeper origins which i got super far behind in and I was trying to write it and the beginning was just a disaster and i couldn't make it work anyway I got really behind so but the 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 couple months before uh it had to go to the editor and i had a pre-order set up and stuff that i didn't want to miss so it was a pretty solid deadline um and and so i and i just didn't there's no way just working in the morning was going to get this book done and so i discovered (laughs) that if i just put my butt in the chair and focus, <laughs> I can write just as well in the afternoon or the evening. And so there was just, there's just some mental blocks that we get over. And I think like I'm much more of a morning person. So writing late at night, like if I write after like eight or nine at night, um, I will be, it'll be very slow productivity because my brain's just like not really going full throttle, but it's not no productivity. And if I leave things that are less creative and more like I need to read through this chapter and take a couple notes and see if it was working or not, like that I can do in the evening. Um so it was a lot of years of kind of assuming that I had more uh restrictions on when this creativity would happen. When in reality, uh creativity tends to follow our habits more than just being its own creature that can't possibly be tamed. So that's it's still hard i still want to write in the mornings and as it gets later in the day i think oh well no writing today can't happen (laughs) but uh that's that's really not true
0: that's that's great advice um janice thank you so much for getting on with me um tell everybody how they can get a hold of you and if you're doing any conventions this year or next um you can tell us where you're going so people can meet you if they they want to
1: all right um jaandrews.com is my website you can pick up a free short story there's actually two short stories there if you poke around enough um but ghost of the white woods is and black horn are both on there and they're both in the same world as all the rest of my books if you want to see what my writing is like um over labor day weekend i'm i think i'll be attending dragon con in atlanta so that'll be fun um might get to be on some panels they haven't really set all that up yet Um, and yeah, Indie Fantasy Addicts on Facebook is a really great Facebook group if you're just looking to meet indie, not meet indie authors as much as just read a million indie books and find, is, there's lots of reviews and, and people just talking about books. So those are probably the best places.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for getting on with me. I enjoyed talking with you.
1: Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.